This is the More Than Right Podcast, an independent view of politics and American culture. I'm your host, Steve Lopez. It sits in room 101. It is the worst thing in the world. And that worst thing is tailored specifically to you. That's how torturer O'Brien, in George Orwell's novel 1984, describes the mind-altering terror that transforms a free thinker into a compliant robot living under Big Brother's totalitarian dictatorship. When O'Brien holds up four fingers and asks the story's protagonist, Winston Smith, how many fingers am I holding up? Winston replies, four. And for a time, Winston insists on this truthful answer despite the pain of torture. But when his agony becomes too great, Winston tells O'Brien what he wants to hear. Five, five, five. As Orwell's novel says, Behind his screwed-up eyelids, a forest of fingers seem to be moving in a sort of dance, weaving in and out, disappearing behind one another and reappearing again. He was trying to count them, he could not remember why. He knew only that it was impossible to count them, and that this was somehow due to the mysterious identity between five and four. The pain died down again. When he opened his eyes, it was to find that he was still seeing the same thing. Innumerable fingers, like moving trees, were still streaming past in either direction, crossing and recrossing. He shut his eyes again, How many fingers am I holding up, Winston? I don't know, I don't know. You will kill me if you do that again. Four, five, six. In all honesty, I don't know. Better, said O'Brien. O'Brien, you see, had successfully broken Winston's ability to recognize a basic truth. From that point on, O'Brien knew he could make Winston believe anything, even that he loved Big Brother. The Nazi concentration camps imprisoned or murdered Germany's victims. Russia's Soviet re-education camps of the Gulag Archipelago, on the other hand, molded the stubbornly independent into compliant followers, if not true believers. Today, wokeism takes the re-education camp globally and uses corporate advertising and government forces to demand we believe the impossible most notably that there is no such thing as a biological woman and that biological men can give birth. It's Big Brother Wokeism's way of asking, how many fingers am I holding up? Wokeism uses three forms of torture. One, it threatens the livelihoods of those who resist. Two, it says resistors who insist on the reality that there exists only two biological sexes violently threaten the lives of those who imagine themselves to be what they aren't, a.k.a. transgenders. And three, in more extreme cases, those who hold fast to biological reality are threatened with imprisonment. Kathleen Lowry is a biological woman and associate professor of anthropology at the University of Alberta in Canada. Her politics are decidedly to the left of center, and she describes herself as a feminist. Being she believes so strongly in her gender, 
she does not believe men can become women. Lowry bases this opinion on one irrefutable fact. Men do not have vaginas. She was fired after students complained to the university administration that Professor Lowry's belief in tangible three-dimensional reality made them, quote, feel unsafe, unquote. And there's Missouri's GOP representative, Vicki Hartzler. She was thrown off Twitter for posting, quote, Women's sports are for women, not men pretending to be women, unquote. She was referring to the transgender swimmer for the University of Pennsylvania, Leah, formerly Will, Thomas. Twitter suspended Representative Hartzler from the social media platform for stating the obvious. In Norway, meanwhile, feminist Christina Ellenson faces three years in prison for tweeting trans men cannot be lesbians. Last year, Norway passed a strict law labeling all criticism of the newfangled gender ideology a hate crime. And so, Ellingson's staunch belief in reality has made her an enemy of the state. As the torturer O'Brien of Orwell's 1984 tells Winston Smith, quote, I tell you, Winston, that reality is not external. Reality exists in the human mind and nowhere else. Not the individual mind which can make mistakes and in any case soon perishes. Only in the mind of the party, which is collective and immortal. Whatever the party holds to be the truth is truth. It is impossible to see reality except by looking through the eyes of the party." Unquote. Wokeism has a decidedly totalitarian side. Governments like Norway don't have a First Amendment to protect the individual's right to free speech and aren't shy about going full-on Big Brother. But here in America, the U.S. government is restrained by our Bill of Rights, and so wokeism, whose roots stem from our domestic laboratories of petty totalitarianism, called universities, relies on its graduates to infiltrate the corporate boardrooms of big business and the newsrooms of legacy media. From their perches of privilege, they present four digits and ask plebeian Americans, how many fingers am I holding up? It's the responsibility of a free people to respond by holding up a middle finger while telling them two and two will always equal four and men can't get pregnant. Then laugh at them and get on with your day. There can be no big brother in America if we refuse to acknowledge him, her, or it. President John F. Kennedy once said, those who make peaceful revolution impossible will make violent revolution inevitable. Last week, the government of Sri Lanka, the large island off the southern tip of India, fell as angry mobs stormed the presidential palace. Some rioters swam in the president's pool, others slept in his bed. Still others raided the kitchen and held an impromptu barbecue. Thus satisfied, the mob set the palace on fire. 
What triggered this angry reaction? Well, Sri Lanka's government was on the forefront of fighting former U.S. Vice President Al Gore's invisible friend, global warming, also known as climate change. Sri Lanka's efforts to please its first-world environmental masters turned a relatively prosperous country into a starving third-world armpit. You see, Sri Lanka was fanatical about achieving a high ESG rating. What is an ESG rating, you ask? It's an investment score given companies and governments for their achievements in environmental, social, and corporate governance. The rating allows investors, quote, a way to grow their portfolios while doing good. This investment strategy has two goals, generating a financial return while also promoting a positive impact for the environment, social issues, and corporate governance, unquote, say the folks at the website Smart Asset. And New York City-based firm MSCI Incorporated evaluates a company or nation's dedication to the goal of environmental sustainability and assigns them a number. Sri Lanka had a near-perfect ESG rating score of 98. To achieve this, Sri Lanka's government forced the nation's farmers to give up using fertilizers and pesticides. A dramatic reduction in food output was the result. And the importation of food to meet the shortfall caused prices to rise dramatically. According to the Times of India, Sri Lanka is, quote, suffering widespread shortages, including fuel, electricity, automotive parts, and cement, with supermarkets forced to ration staple foods, including rice, sugar, and milk powder. The shortages pushed food inflation to 25% last month, with overall inflation at 16.8%, unquote. Oh, and the price of regular gas spiked 11%, while diesel rose by 12%. This explains why the Sri Lankan president fled the capital Colombo aboard an Air Force jet that whisked him away nearly 1,000 miles to the relative safety of the Maldives. Environmentalism in general, and climate change hysteria in particular, pushed an emerging nation back into the Stone Age. The war against man-made compounds, whether chemical fertilizers or petrochemicals, is clearly reversing the advancement of humankind and causing mass suffering. Recently, President Joe Biden told Americans his war on domestic energy producers will transition the nation into a shiny new paradise of wind and electric power. This, of course, triggered an unprecedented rise in gas prices that in turn fueled rising inflation. So what is old Joe's solution to his administration's manufactured crisis? He jets off to meet with Saudi Arabian princelings to gravel at their feet in hopes they'll increase oil production for the U.S. According to the energy research company Rystad Energy, the U.S. holds more recoverable oil reserves than does Saudi Arabia and Russia combined. Rystad estimates that Texas alone holds 60 billion barrels in shale oil. And what is it costing average Americans by not tapping into this readily available resource? According to the Wall Street analysts at Moody's, the average American household is spending $460 more per month than they did one year ago. Environmental extremism is making Americans poorer, 
and the less fortunate among us, hungrier. I almost forgot. America's ESG rating stands at 51. That means, as a nation, we are at the halfway point of nearing that event horizon of Sri Lanka's glorious national collapse. It seems that in taking extreme measures to save the planet, we must kill off humanity. Unless you've been living under a rock these past nine years, you likely noticed that American civil liberties are under assault. Under the guise of fighting Islamic terrorism, a Republican-controlled Congress passed the Patriot Act in 2001 with Republican President George W. Bush signing it into law. But it wasn't until journalist Glenn Greenwald reported on NSA contractor Edward Snowden that we learn the full extent of our government's domestic spying operations. Under the auspices of the Patriot Act, the Obama administration expanded domestic spying through its PRISM program, in which big tech companies, Microsoft, Apple, Verizon, Yahoo, AT&T, Google, among others, gave the NSA direct access to their users' digital communications. As the website Privacy Savvy notes, quote, It does not matter what you do, where you live, whether you commit a crime or not. The NSA can access your personal information, unquote. And they add that the, quote, FBI is the primary intermediary between tech companies and the various intelligence agencies, unquote. Last week, former CIA computer programmer Joshua Schulte, 33, was convicted in federal court of handing WikiLeaks a trove of information on hacking tools used by U.S. intelligence agencies to spy on individuals. Like their cyber tools to hack into Apple iPhones and Macintosh computers, and programs that circumvent antivirus software to plant malware, or hacks allowing intelligence agencies to listen in on targets through their smart TVs. One interesting side program goes under the name Umbridge. It consists of a library of malware developed by nefarious criminal hackers. According to PC World, quote, it makes the agency's malware tools resemble those of others, possibly confusing malware analysts as to the origin attacks and causing others to be blamed for the agency's false flag operations, unquote. PC World says this is, quote, one of the reasons why establishing accurate attribution for cyber attacks is nearly impossible, unquote. As the deep state's Russia collusion counterintelligence investigation of President Donald Trump proved, the nation's intelligence agencies are far better at influencing domestic political opinion to affect election outcomes as they are at getting access to your data. That concludes this edition of the More Than Right podcast. Should you wish to leave a comment, you can reach us at morethanrightpodcast at gmail.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, 
please give it a five-star review on Apple iTunes. It will help promote the podcast and be much appreciated. Until next time, this is Steve Lopez. Steve Lopez.